new believer or a baby comes into this church, what would be the five things that they would absolutely need to know? Well, the first thing is going to be a blood covenant that God did with Abraham, and we're going to go look at that. Um, what does it mean to be in covenant with God? What was God's responsibility with Abraham, and then what's your responsibility as a believer? Like, what is, what is our response? You know, our obedience is our response to him where he loved and, and gave us a covenant. Now everything we get that belonged to Jesus now belongs to us. But then God gets us. And he gets our obedience, right? So that's kind of a breakdown of a blood covenant. You're in a marriage, a union. Ephesians 6 is what a blood covenant. Then the thing we're going to talk about tonight is redemption. What does it actually mean when Christ redeemed you from the curse? We, we say that all the time. It's kind of like Christian lingo. I bet a lot of people that are like, I don't know what that means. So I even had to go like, go look. Um, I, and I had an idea of what redemption means. So we're, we're going to go to Galatians 3, 10 through 14. Sometimes some of this is good if you've already heard this before um, to talk to people at work. A lot of, Dad made a good statement one time. He said, a lot of times I'm teaching you things, you've already heard it, but really it's for you to turn around and share it with people that you know. It's not really, you know, a lot of times we come in here going, all right, I want to learn something new and deep. And I believe that, you know, that does happen. But sometimes I believe God's just saying, I want to freshen us up on the, the, the fundamentals of the foundations of Christianity. That way, when you're talking to somebody, I mean, a lot of stuff he says during Sunday morning, I just turn around and use it when I'm at the gym or I'm talking to somebody or talking to a friend. Um, and it's usually just sharpening. It's just arrows in my quiver to help disciple people and to win the loss. So Galatians 3, uh, 10 through 14. For as many as are of the works of the law under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue and all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So he's saying, curse is every person who doesn't continue in doing what the law said. What is the law? So let's do a little bit of, we're going to do a little, little study tonight. Hold your place here, hold your hand, flip back to Deuteronomy 28, because we're going to come right back. I just want to, it's easy if you kind of stop right there and go, what is he talking about? Deuteronomy 28. Can somebody turn the fan on on the AC? I'm hot. Tracy, can you turn it down? Or so? Thank you. I'll give my associate time to put an LED light on you. He's, he'll do it. Now it'll come to pass, verse 1, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully all of his commandments. So that's what he's talking about. He was the, the, God gave Moses the law that this is um, after the covenant God made with Abraham. We're going to go back to Genesis 11 and 12. So God makes a covenant with Abraham, and then years later, now he's going, in order for this covenant to work, there's going to be laws and stipulations you're going to have to follow on your part, and I'll do on my part. That's what a covenant is. Um, blood covenant, when Kenyon was talking about it, when um, was at Livingston, there was requirements that both parties had to accomplish they read the blessings every year, and they read the cursing every year. They'd come back to the tribe or the village, and they'd proclaim the blessings and cursings if you broke the covenant and if you kept the covenant, the blessings that would happen. So God is establishing. That's why every blood covenant that's ever been in the history really came from the Bible. The first one was uh, God did with Cain and Abel. Abel brought a lamb, blood, and what was that? Atonement was to cover the sins of the people. Redemption is completely a New Testament term. This is what 
When you hear the word atonement, people say, well, atonement was in the cross. And I believe, if, if I'm correct, atonement was just an, a covering of Old Testament. So people mix the words up. They're saying, well, Jesus brought the atonement um, when he died and rose again. No, Jesus redeemed man. He didn't, uh, he didn't cover the sins of the people. He actually, to redeem means, I'm, I'm going to read this. Um, redeem means to clear a debt, to regain pos- repossession, to buy back by paying the fee, to ransom or to save, to set free by force, to purchase one's freedom, to restore honor and the worth of it, to recover ownership by something, by paying a sum. So Jesus was not covering, and you're going to hear that, you'll hear, I sit on Facebook all the time, the atonement was in the cross. It's, well, then nothing changed, because that means Jesus just covered your sin. No, Jesus actually went and bought you back. It actually says that he, he restored the honor and the worth of whatever that thing was that, that was lost, um, to ransom, to recover, by paying a high price or a high fee. And I want to go a little bit into that, but let's go back to Deuteronomy 28. So he's telling you by the law, this is Old Testament, this is the atonement, that once a year they're going to cover, the high priest is going to go and they're going to cover sins. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully all of his commandments which I've commanded you um, this day, the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth and these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed you'll be in the city, blessed you'll be in the country, blessed you'll be in the fruit of your body. So it keeps going, you'll be blessed in your basket, you'll be blessed in your house, you'll be blessed in your your bank account, your storehouses. But you have to listen diligently to everything the law of Moses said, which was, I read the law of Moses and I can't even get through most of it before falling asleep. So I probably would have bombed pretty bad. Um, Then he says in 15... But it will come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, and you observe carefully all of his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall be in the city. Cursed shall be in the country. Cursed will be your basket and your kneeling bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body. Cursed shall be when you come in, and cursed shall be when you go out. It will cause cursing and confusion. So he goes down and makes a list. Plagues and everything else is going to happen to you. So take your finger and flip back to Galatians. So that's what he's saying if you don't obey the law. So Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us. He bought us back. He paid a very high price. He restored the value of you from the curse of the law. Having been, actually to buy back means to pull you back from under that completely. And that way you're not even tied to that. Redeemed you from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for you, for it's written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I'm going to skip down to 19. What then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Till the, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. It is the law then against the promises of God. Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life truly, righteousness would have been the law. So the, what they're saying is the law in itself was not even complete to do the job. But the scripture has conf- confined all under sin, that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. So the law actually kept them, they, it guarded them. 
kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So what it's saying is the law was a tutor to show us that we needed a Savior. We needed redemption. It says the law's whole purpose was to point somebody to a mediator, which was Jesus. I know this is very, very, very basic, but I'm going somewhere with this. So Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. You needed the law um, to point you to Jesus. I think many people, you know, they're, you're not good because of you've been a good person. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all born under the law. So um, what, did, what was the first thing that Jesus did to redeem man? Was, was from actually spiritual death, Ephesians 2 through 1. So the first thing Jesus is going to redeem man is spiritual death. That means he's going to pay the ransom. He's going to buy you back. I can't wait to read. I'm going to read something from Rick Renner, what it really meant. A lot of times I think people struggle with um, their identity. They struggle with prosperity. And I think the Lord told me one time, it's not always that you go over the prosperity scriptures because if you have no foundation, then you can just quote the prosperity scriptures over and over and over and then it, just, it doesn't really mean a lot to you. Right. But when you go back to that you were made in God's image in the likeness of him, you were lost into Satan's market is what he's going to get into. Jesus, the price that he's going to describe to you that Jesus paid for you, you're going to go, oh my goodness, that was an extremely high price. I am not putting up with junk. I don't even know why I'm living like this. Because you have to have a foundation, you know, to, to build on top of. But a lot of times, you know, at the house, you, you have the windows and the accessories. Like I said, I believe that the five pillars, blood covenant, redemption, identification, sanctification, then comes the love, joy, peace, prosperity, hope, and peace. But that's all in that. But if you don't understand the foundations of Christianity, a lot of times you're just going, well, I'm saying these scriptures, but they're not working. Well, if you had a revelation, I think Mary Fran says God will be no bigger to you than he is in your soul, to the revelation you have of him in your soul. He'll be no bigger. To, you'll be able to use no more of the power of God than the revelation you have of his soul. So I believe that um, re redemption was a, is a huge part of that. Uh, so Ephesians 2, 1, And you were made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin in which you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air, who now works in the sons of disobedience. So you weren't, there was nothing good in you. You were actually dead before Jesus found you. So I'm, I'm setting a precedent. You're actually dead, not you, but in the past, before Jesus, you're dead. So keep that in mind. And I want to read something. Um, Psalms 49, 15 says, But my God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Psalms 49, 13, the message version. This is what happens to those who live for a moment, who only look out for themselves. Death herds them like a sheep straight to hell. They disappear down to the gullet of the grave. They waste away to nothing. Nothing left but a maker in a cemetery. But me? God snatches me from the clutches of death and reaches down and grabs me. That is a powerful picture of redemption. Psalms 103 Amplified. I'm going to read this. Bless affectionately, gratefully, Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is deepest within me. Bless His holy name. Bless affectionately, gratefully praise of the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not one of His benefits who forgives every one of my iniquities, 
who heals all of my diseases, who redeems my life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, he dignifies, and crowns me with loving kindness. Remember when I said, with loving kindness and tender mercy, remember when I said it restores, redeem means to restore the honor of that thing which it once had? So it's saying that after he redeemed your life from the pit and corruption, he's going to beautify you, he's going to dignify you, and then he's going to crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy. So now I'm setting the stage to Rick Renner, Titus 2.4. I want to read this. This was powerful. I just ended up looking this up, start trying to study on redemption. This has actually started to open me. It's really helped me with my prospect, with thinking about prosperity, because it shows you the value Jesus paid for you. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem you from all iniquity. Iniquity is um, sin, gross sin, evil, sickness, or sin nature, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He's he's purifying you unto himself. So, um, the New Testament slaves would be very costly. When a slave purchaser would come to a slave market for a new slave, he would meander through the aisles of the marketplace, his eyes roaming all over the slaves for sale as he searched for the one he wanted. After Pinpointing the slave who seemed fit for his needs, the purchaser was then allowed to inspect the slave's condition. The purpose of this inspection was similar to that of a test drive when a person is checking out a new car for a purchase. Just every buyer wants to be sure he's getting a good product. Every slave buyer wanted to make sure the merchandise before, you know, he had good merchandise before he put his money on the table. Um, The inspection would, you know, uh, require beating wear and tear, physical strength, what he could do. They'd open his mouth, you know, see his teeth, what he looked like, and then they would determine the value of that slave. The buyer, if the buyer decided to pers- um, proceed with the purchase, after the inspection was completed, it was time for the next stage. The moment the slave was then put on the auction block, then the auctioneer knew, when the auctioneer knew that the buyer really had his eye set on a Pacific slave, he would take that signal to push the price of that slave as high as possible. And if the buyer continued to show interest in the same slave, that he would let the auctioneer know he could demand a completely unreasonable price and probably get it. All these images are contained in the word redemption, which comes from the Greek words latruo, which uh, used in in Titus 2.14 when Paul says that he might redeem us from all iniquity. The Greek word actually says that a person paid a very high price or depicts a person who paid a very high price to obtain the slave of choice. Once the price was offered and accepted, the slave became his personal property. However, the word latruo was used in another significant way that also had to do with the concept of redemption. At times, a caring and compassionate individual would come to the slave market for the sole purpose of just purchasing slaves out of slavery to to, uh, liberate them and set them free. In this case, The payment was offered and viewed as a ransom, paid to obtain the freedom from slavery. Because Paul uses this word as redemptive work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, this tells us a few important things. Number one, Jesus came into the world, into Satan's slave market, because he was looking for us. Jesus knew he wanted us, and he wouldn't be satisfied until the purchase was complete. Jesus was willing to pay any price demanded to the purchaser, to free us from the slave market. Jesus purchased us with his own blood so we would become his own personal property. Jesus paid the price with his blood, purchased us for himself, 
and gave us a liberating freedom that can only be known because of his work in our lives. Our freedom from Satan's power is extremely expensive. The price Jesus paid for us was the highest price that was ever paid for a slave. Wow. What was the ransom that Jesus paid in order to um, procure our freedom from Satan's ownership? His own blood, who gave himself up for us that he might purchase us out of the slave market to become his own personal property. Yes, he was willing to pay the ransom price to see us liberated and set free. That is a, when I read that, when you realize the value that Jesus paid, you're going to take on a whole new perspective of yourself, of your worth, prosperity, when God gives you, when he doesn't view any person, the same person you're sitting next to that you may sometimes, you don't like, you're frustrated. Jesus paid a very high price for him. I'm going to read something. I was thinking about this. Um, I think that's all I want to say. Read from that. I wrote kind of something. Jesus paid. Um, so he paid with his own blood, right? He paid with what? Himself. He paid with the deity. That was the price that he paid. So I wrote this. There's no limit to the size of God. He transcends time and space, occupying eternity. The payment that was made was the currency of deity for man. He laid himself as God down as the payment. The payment is eternal. The highest form of substance in this universe is actually God himself. That's how much he paid to free you from the market of Satan. To buy you, which was eternally lost, dead, and then robe you with his own righteousness. To clothe you with himself, man was brought and bought into the God class. That was something, thinking about it, when he said that Jesus showed up and paid with his own blood, I was thinking, well, how can you um, d- d- determine? Um, I think that's why God hates to see you sick. God hates to see you broke and defeated. Why? Because he paid such a high price. He paid with deity. He paid, uh, what, a lot of times, something's determined by what? The... Um, well, what somebody pays was willing to pay for something. Yep. Some, it's paid by the material that's used. It's paid by the time yep. that it takes to make that product. So there's a lot of factors that go into the value of a person. So Jesus is the substance. So he's taking uh, his own God class, laying himself down, or you know, and God's losing, well, he's having a son that's forever God, now will be forever man, and, that's, and he's going to put his son on the altar like Abraham did, because if Abraham did it, why wouldn't he did it? Yeah. So, but think about this. That's why in Hebrews it says, through the blood of the eternal covenant or the everlasting covenant, if God is, literally transcends time, space, matter, and he's forever, I mean, he is everywhere. Yeah. And he's for, that's why the covenant can never end. That's why the payment and the price was so, when, when Jesus paid that price, he wasn't paying it to Satan. Because, you know, and getting you out of the market, he was paying it because God required that. Once God saw that the payment was made, then he could, you know, say in the courts of heaven, this is done legally and release them. So, but think about that Jesus is everywhere, all places at one time. And and through eternity, he never ends of who he is. I mean, how big is he? And when he laid himself down, that's the payment. And the payment's still going through eternity or however big God is. That's why it says through the blood of the eternal covenant. That means it can never end. There's no, there's not even a size. I mean, that price, you couldn't even put a price tag of a billion or a million dollars 
on that because there is no size that you can of that substance to put a price and say, okay, what is Jesus's value? Uh, That's a hard. How would you like when? um, What what was the 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 black slave um, Carver to ask? What's the purpose of man? And God said, that is way too um, big for your small brain. To me, to think about the price of Jesus, what he's actually worth, being as deity, as God, the God race, the God class, yeah. Yeah. and then he's going to pay the debt with, with deity himself, yeah, that's, that's right. a huge payment. You can't even put that in that's a box. Yeah. And then so when you, but then the Bible says that, you know, you, the same mouth you curse men who are made in the likeness and the similitude of God that's the, what, the reason why I believe that God hates it so much when you, we get into strife and division and we curse other people, we get mad and angry, is because Jesus paid a very high price to get that person. He paid a very high price for you to, look, to, to hate yourself, to be down on yourself, to think you're junk, you're garbage, you're not worth it. I mean, when I started reading this, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, the value that was placed on me, that you can't even measure it. You can't, it's, it's eternal. It never ends. Because of deity was the payment form that was actually made. Amen. So when you start to see that, you go, I, I should be prosperous. I mean, I was bought. I mean, if, if, you, if you bought something and paid a million dollars for it, you're going to, oh, my goodness, you know, Zach has a car and it's worth, you know, 1.2. Oh, that's his baby. Don't take care of it. Retreat it with respect. Wash it, clean it. But yet, we were paid with a much higher price. Yes, amen. God said this in Psalms 49, 5 through 9. Where should I fear the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall come, come, come pass about me, that they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in their multitude of their riches? None of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give God a ransom for him. That means nobody can pay God for one person. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceases forever, that he should live forever and not see corruption. So God, how does he see you? He sees you as a very, you're very precious to him. Let's go to Psalms 72, 14. Seventy-two, and then we're going to go to Psalms eight. So we'll just back up. This this will help you with your identification. <laughs> it's because it started to help me in the last few days. Because you know you hear oh, God loves you, Jesus died for you, He paid a high price, and you're like, okay, you know, awesome. Well, what was that price? He paid deity. Was the price Psalm seventy-two fourteen. Um, yeah. Do you have it in the Amplified? Because I don't, I don't have it here. Can you put it up? He will redeem their lives from oppression and fraud and violence, and precious and costly shall their blood be in his sight. Your own blood that you have been, you know, a human or nature. I mean, the, the thing that God made you in the likeness of himself, he lost you. So to redeem is he had to buy you back. With blood, and he viewed your own blood, your own soul. He redeemed their life from, he'll buy back their life from oppression, fraud, and violence. That means in this redemption is what? Protection. Your precious and your blood, oh, precious and costly shall be their blood in his sight. 
What else does God think about man? Psalms 8. I mean, imagine God. He has everything in the universe. He made everything. What is the one thing he thinks about during the day? I guarantee it's not planets. Or how to, I mean, I don't know, maybe he does, but. Psalms 8, we read this all the time. Uh, I want to start in 3. When I considered your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. You've made him a little lower than the angels, but there's a one next to that in my Bible, and I highlighted it green. It says you've made him, in the Hebrew, a little lower than Elohim. You crowned him with glory and with honor. So he's saying, when I consider the work of your hands, when I consider the heavens, when I consider the planets, when I consider everything that you made, why is it that you're mindful that you sit over heaven looking down, thinking about man? Yeah. Everything God made. It's like he could care less about anything else that he made. I mean, he loves the birds. and I'm not saying that. But man is what his mind is always on, is mankind. That's what God thinks about man. That's why God, that's why um, the second thing is God redeems you from sickness. Like I said earlier, He hates to see you sick. He hates to see you when you pay such a high price for something. Imagine if you had a child that you paid a, I don't know, you're a multi-billionaire and you paid a billion dollars. You gave up everything to have this child back. It was your child. You lost it. You got it back. Then that child, and you're ready to show that child the world, take him on your private jet plane, and next thing you know, that child just runs off back into the same marketplace he came from, dabbling in the same garbage. Now Satan knows that that person was bought, but he's not going to tell that person. He's going to leave that person and let him keep running around and sin and and you know, in a life of, like the prodigal son. That's the whole story of the prodigal son. So when you pay, you'd want your son, after you paid that high of price, to appreciate that you paid for him. And say, I want to, you know, you got the the Grant Cardone helicopter ready. You're going to take him all over the world and show him everything that you made. And that son or daughter just runs off back into the world, where they came from, the slave market of Satan. That's what it's like when a Christian gets born again and they get the life of God, they get redeemed from the curse, and then they walk out of church, or they go do whatever they want to go do, and they go live poverty, sickness, disease. I mean, imagine what God, I paid such a high price for you, why are you still in the pig pen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but God, like the prodigal son, He just waits for that person to come home and say, I'm going to go back to my father's house. And, um, and that's what, you know, we pray that people, but I don't think people have a, um, a perception of the price that God paid for him. That's why God says, I'm a jealous God. That's why when he's preaching on marriage and he's saying, I want to know what my wife's doing. I want to know where she's at. I want to know who she's with. I believe it's the same way with God. He wants to know. He, he, I mean, if you bought a million dollar car and let's just pretend or someone took it or it just runs off and you don't know where it is, you're going, I paid for that. Where is it? That needs to be here with me in my garage or that son that I paid out of trafficking, let's say you had to pay a high price, I want to spend time with them. I want them back, but they just run off, run back into the same junk. And I think that's what happens, that's how God feels when Christians just, they, um, what does it say, that they trample on the spirit of grace. Because that is such a high price that God paid for them, for them to just be like, well, you know, I don't, 
I haven't been to church in a few years. Or I don't spend any time with God. Uh, that, that, you know, that's a very high product or a person that God paid for that just not giving him any of that, that love back to him for the, what he actually did. But then again, I'm not sure it's, it's really taught. So he redeemed you from sickness. Titus 2.14 says he redeemed you from all iniquity, which Deuteronomy 28 was sickness was a curse of the law. How God, Acts 10.38, anointed Jesus of Nazareth, or God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So redemption, the third thing, or the second thing is, is he redeemed you from sickness. So he redeemed you from spiritual death. Yes. Then he redeemed you from sickness, which was in spiritual death. <clears throat> uh, Hebrews 9, 6, Jesus having no death or sin nature in him, he tasted death for us. Um, that's, you know, that's why... I, when, when, you know, like Brother Hagen would say, there's been many years I've been tempted, you know, to get sick. Satan will bring it back to my remembrance as a photograph. Because redemption, Jesus paid for it. But he brings a photograph, that's all he can show you is a picture of what you used to be. So he said he would bring to me a photograph of what I was like on the deathbed of sickness. And Brother Hagen said, I start to think about it and I start to feel sick in my body. And he said, before the day was out, I was completely whole. And I'd, and I'd, say, sick, I'd say, Satan, Jesus paid for that sickness and redemption. Get it off me. Right. Once you realize the price he paid, you're not going to put up with that junk. So that's why the more revelation you have of redemption of what Jesus actually did, the more you're not, you know, well, maybe, I don't know, God you know, wants me to be sick. No, he paid an extremely high price for you not to be sick, to redeem your life uh, from destruction. So, then that's why Brother Hagin said, I would be tempted. Many years I was tempted with sickness and disease. But he said before the day was out. He's not saying that a symptom wouldn't try to get on him. So I don't think that, you know, we're a faith church and people come in like, well, I'm not feeling well. And, you know, sometimes you, you, know, you feel beat up where it's like, no, you're healed in Jesus' name. Shut up. Stop saying that. You know, <laughs> I don't want to go to church and tell them I'm sick. Everyone's going to jump down my throat, you know. But... I think, you know, we have grace with people as they're learning. It took me a while to get a revelation of prosperity. It took me a, revel- a while to get a revelation of, I mean, even this, this was just for the past couple of days, I got a revelation of the work of redemption. And all that does is add faith to faith, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some people say, oh, I need more faith. Uh, Mark Hangen said, no, you just need more revelation yeah, of what God actually did. So people go, oh, if I keep reading this scripture, uh, the just live by faith. Uh, Mark eleven twenty three. 23 and 24, I have what I say. Oh, yeah, that's good. But after a while, um, Mark 11, 23 and 24, if you don't have a foundation of redemption, you know, you're just quoting a bunch of scriptures saying, well, I have what I say, I have what I say. Yeah. But when you get a picture of what Jesus actually yeah. did and the payment yeah. he made, you're going to go absolutely not sickness and disease. Right. Jesus came into the slave market and he ransomed me, paid extremely high price. Yes. God put his own son, his deity, as the payment for him to redeem me out of this garbage Satan market. Get off me in Jesus' name. Once you have that picture, you say, Satan, absolutely not. But if you have, like what Andrew Womack said, you can have faith and you can have doubt in areas, um, you know, at the same time. Because you're going, well, I know I'm supposed to be healed, but, you know, uh, there's people say things about sickness and, uh, you know, it's flu season and, and there's certain um, think, doubt, you just, you're going to have to get it out. And uh, when revelation comes in, doubt goes out the other side, I think is how Brother Hagin said it. 
So a lot of times it's, I just ask the Lord, you know, let's just say you're in an area, you're not getting that breakthrough. You say, okay, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to study that would help me in this area? Because sometimes it's not prosperity that you're having a problem with. Sometimes it's you're seeing the value that some, Jesus paid for you yes. of royalty and deity that was paid. Once you get, you're like, oh my goodness. Once you get that picture, yes. how much God paid for a son, then you're like, yes. I'm not, no way I'm living like this. I'm the king's kid. I'm, yes. I'm rich. Right. Uh, so, um, where is it? Number three, he redeemed you from poverty. Blessings of Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This is really the, one of the oldest scriptures in the Bible that has to do with prosperity. Um, you know, when people say prosperity is not in the Bible, you just go to Genesis 12 and 13. Because he, God hadn't even redeemed him yet. And he's going to tell him something here in uh, 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, he's fixing to cut a covenant with Abraham. Get out of your country and from your family, from your father's house, to a land I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, I'm going to jump down. Let's just do so. Abraham departed from the Lord had spoken to him. Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran or Haran. Then Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people um, they had acquired, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. And so they came to the land of Canaan. So we're going to go to the next page over. It's going to be 13, 1 through 6. So Abraham went up to Egypt and his wife and all that she had a lot with him. Abraham, oh, to the south, and Abraham was what? Very, Very rich. He wasn't just rich. I mean, we talk now, if a person is, man, that guy is rich, or that woman's rich. He said, the, the, what is that, an adjective that describes? An ad, or an adverb? So he's saying it's very rich in livestock, silver and gold. That's not all. So he went on his journey south as far as Bethel to a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to a place of an altar, which he had made there first. And Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Lot also went with Abram. He had flocks and herds and tents. So you notice how Lot hanging around Abraham was blessed as well. Don't ever forget it. And don't you ever forget it. Are you hanging out with me now? (laughs) It just keeps going down. Now the land was not able to support them they, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great they could not dwell together. And strife between the herdsmen of Abram's flock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock and the Canaanites and the Pezzarites dwelt in the land. So I don't think we have that problem yet between you know, me being on full 48 and dad being in Tangerine. Not yet. Not yet, where my people are having a problem with his people because we have so much possessions. So that was one thing that, um, what did he also say if you went back? He says, um, with this covenant, I'm going to, number one, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll bless all those that bless you. He also says in there that he's going to, that, um, I'm just going to read this. God promised Abraham that he would make him rich, which means rich means full supply or abundantly provided for. Rich so much as that 
him and his uh, son-in-law, was that a son-in-law? Nephew. nephew. His nephew are, have to split. And go, I mean, Lot had to go to the other side of the land, and Abraham said, just you, choo- you can choose, and obviously Lot went, pitched his tent as far as Sodom, long ways off. And, um, and then next thing you know, Lot ended up in Sodom. And then because of, you know, the blessing works as long as you're doing what God said, but the minute you start going and playing with sin, you start going with the world, Lot lost it all. And Abraham had to go get him out. And you don't really hear about what happened to all his stuff after that. Probably Sodom and Gomorrah took advantage of it. They probably took it, divided it. He probably lost it all. Because the Bible don't really say much more about it after that. But Abraham just kept increasing. So God provided for Abraham that he'd make him rich. He gave him land, possessions. He made his name great. And he protected him from all of his enemies. He delivered him from sickness and disease. And then he multiplied his descendants. And it says... As far as the sands of the sea, he says, so will your descendants be. So being, he redeemed them from poverty. And that's not even redemption was a future thing that from Abraham was going to come Moses, the law. And then the law was going to point to Jesus, the mediator. And then redemption was going to begin at the, uh, what do you call that? The focal point? The fulcrum of time is when redemption, when Jesus died to redeem men, and then he set his blood in the heavens. Amen. So, redeemed from poverty. Abraham was very rich in livestock. So, God has designed it for us to be rich. I mean, that's really, you, you can just show people the oldest, and this is not even New Covenant, this, he, um, Genesis 11 and 12. God made Abraham very rich, and then he made him so rich that they didn't have room. The third, or the fourth thing, I messed my notes up. He redeemed us back to the family. Galatians 4 through 5. Um, Brother Hagen's book was talking that he redeemed you from poverty, from sickness, and from spiritual death, but I, I added a fourth one to his book. I'll have to send uh, Craig Hagen a message and say you need to add a fourth one. If Craig comes and preaches. You know, we actually have one of Craig Hagen's books in there. I didn't even know that. There's a little book of Craig Hagen hid down, which is um, Brother Hagen's grandson. Yeah. Galatians 4 through 5. Uh, I'll start at verse 4. When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive an adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, which means Dad or Daddy. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, going back to the slave market of Satan, but now you're a son. And if you're a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ, which means you're brought back into the family. Revelations 2.7, you don't have to go there. Or It says that Adam, once he lost... Um, he was taken from the tree of life. It was restored back. That means in, in the future, I'm going to give them from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So now we'll, we'll be restored back to the original, what God had in mind, uh, for the tree of life in the garden. We'll have all of that back. But not only was in the, what happened in the New Testament is where they would buy and ransom someone, but now 
I don't think that people, I, they, maybe they could have, but they, I don't think it was often that they bought someone and then adopted them. That means that now you're in the same God class, you're the same deity, you're the same royalty. So that's where it goes back. Why are Christians back playing in the slave market of Satan? Why are they dealing with sickness and disease? Why are they running around broke? Not only was their life redeemed and bought out of that, but then there actually was bought with deity and they became, you become deity. You're not Jesus himself, but you are Christ. You have Christ's spirit in you. So that really paints a picture. I may read a few more. I'll read Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep. So that's an eternal covenant. He bought you with his blood. Um, Isaiah 51.10. Can you just put it up on the screen? Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, that made the depths of the sea a rod, a road for the redeemed to cross over? There's a lot of scriptures about redeem. The last one, um, you can go to Luke 1, 68. I don't remember what that one was. Blessed the Lord God of Israel, who has visited and redeemed his people. And the last one is Ephesians 1, the message translation. If you were, were paying attention uh, Sunday, which I, it's funny how you hear it, but I didn't notice it until today. Dad actually read this Sunday. I'm going to, I think it's verse 15. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask God the Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing Him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what He's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of His glorious way of life He has for His followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust in Him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised Him from the dead. He set Him on a throne deep in heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from His rule. And not just that from the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all and the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not preferable to the world, The world is preferable to the church. The church is Christ's body, which speaks and acts, which he fills everything with his presence. So that that picture, and I love it when it says that um, all, oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, the endless energy, the boundless strength, all this energy from Christ of God who raised him from the dead and set him on a throne deep in heaven. And he did that with what? You as well. If you go to um, Ephesians 2, it says, and you. And we read that earlier, but and is a conjunction. And like he te- dad teaches, you don't start a sentence with and. So everything that God did with Jesus, the utter extravagance, the glory, yes. the honor, yes. restoring his own son, buying his own son back, he did it in you as well. 
And I think that once we get a, a picture of being redeemed, of being, being yeah. bought yes. by Jesus paying the yeah. ultimate price for us, we're going to start seeing ourselves with a lot greater value. We're going to see people. I've even started seeing people. If God paid that much for the person sitting next to you, we ought to love them. And that's why we do love them. So that love is encountered or encompassed under the, the work of redemption. But um, if you ever get a chance to read that about the slave market of Satan, it is a powerful in Rick Renner's book of talking about what Jesus actually did. And that is going to be one of the pillars of Christianity is redemption. And then if you ever talk to somebody, you can just say, you know, Jesus paid an extremely high price for you. He paid with God himself, deity himself. He paid with, and who he is, he's boundless, he's endless. God is everywhere. And there's no value that, to match the substance of God. And that's what he paid with you. And that's why he loves you so much. That's why he cares about you. That's why he wants you into the kingdom of God. That's why he doesn't want you bound to sickness and disease and to poverty and the lack and to spiritual death. So that's really a foundational point of Christianity, of the whole purpose of the cross was to buy back which he lost. And he had to pay an extremely high price for that. And um, that was one of the things the Lord told me uh, to teach on the night. And maybe we'll, we'll go over uh, some of the other uh, pillars of Christianity, which we'll, maybe we'll do identification, um, sanctification. You guys remember when dad did sanctification? Were you here, the little green, the, the doctrine of sanctification? Um, th- those are all really good. I think that we should probably revisit some of that. Because all that does is, Mark Hagen says that through the watering of the word is where that word becomes established. Amen. You hear it one time, yeah. and you're, you receive it. But uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf made a good statement one time I was watching her. And she says, the more you think about something, your brain wave sends a signal, and it makes a groove in your brain, a path. And so the more you think about something, that's why this is what, how you create habits. Because the more you do something, you think about it, your brain, so to take something and alter it, that's why we have such a hard time to, to, sw- to make the switch. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a new habit or I'm gonna learn about you know, who I am in Christ. And you read it and you go, amen, glory to God. You, you go talk to your friend and you say, there's a scripture in the Bible and I don't know where it is. You go back and you read it again. And then you go back and you're, you know, so you're constantly having to cut these grooves deeper and deeper. And so um, I love it when he'll tell the same story over and over and over because that actually deepens that groove, that reality, that revelation that, you know, when I wake up now, I know that I was bought with the price that I was redeemed and I'm not, you know, putting up with this, this lifestyle or, or, or whatever that I'm dealing with. I don't have to stay sick. I don't have to stay in sin. Jesus purchased us out of that market. It says that you actually, in one translation, you actually come out from under that market, that curse or that Satan's dominion into a whole brand new system. So so when people say, I'm still struggling with sin, they're, they're struggling with that they may have came out of the market. But, and they're still maybe looking at the market, but really they've been brought completely out of it. And once they get a revelation of that, that's when their, their mind begins to change, their habits begin to change, and they say, you know what? I'm not putting up with this anymore. Their confession, so now this helps your confession because now you're confessing something with a foundation that's been, been built where you're not just confessing 
I'm rich and blessed in Christ Jesus or I'm, you know, redeemed from sickness. I don't even know what redeemed even means. Well, now you know what it means. It means you were bought with an extremely high price. Heavenly Father, we thank you for redemption. We thank you for the blood that Jesus put on the cross. That you gave up your one and only son, laying him down, paying the ultimate price that there were the worth of Jesus was far, transcends the universe, everything that you've ever created to redeem us. And you, you view us as so high. That's why you hate seeing us sick. You hate seeing us broke. You hate seeing us in these conditions. And we don't have to put up with it. And we thank you for that. I pray, Father God, that this message, you would burn it on the hearts of our people and we would go get back to the foundations of some of this stuff and get really rooted in some of these things like righteousness and sanctification and redemption and the pillars of Christianity. That way we can share this, Father God, with people as we go out to the holidays, Christmas and Thanksgiving. I pray we will be able to share it as easily as we heard it, Heavenly Father. And I pray that we'll see people come in the church and be redeemed. They'll be brought back. They'll be bought, Father God, and you've, the price you've already paid for them, that we'll be able to communicate and tell sinners. And as we go out, I pray over these um, events. I pray over all that all the money would come, that we were very rich, not just in, in livestock, but we're rich with money. We're rich with the, everything we need to get the gospel out. And I thank you, Father God, that these events will go good that you'll bring the right people and the right help, that the lost will be saved, Heavenly Father. And I pray that we would love one another as you've loved us. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.